Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by the Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. So really, what's the hot item? What is the item that the markets are really concerned about at this point? And are they really concerned about Brazilian's corn? And are we going to be short there? Add to it, where are we at export sales numbers? As we knew, more numbers came out this morning. Demand for ethanol and corn. Lots of stuff we're going to talk about today as Jeff Peterson joins me in studio with Heartland Farm Partners. And so I guess, Jeff, let's start there. What is the market even excited about at this time? You know, it, it is interesting. It seems like that's always changing and jumping around. But, you know, right now, it, you know, definitely still got an eye on South American weather. We, we have to still continue to look at that. But I don't know about you. It kind of seems like that's playing a little bit lesser role. And then the next thing we come back to, we come back and talk about the U.S. weather and, and see what, how things are progressing and take a look at what we've got for the topsoil and subsoil moisture. And, you know, we've still got pockets out that, that are dry. A little better moisture, but still pockets that are dry. So I understand with the Brazilian crop that there's like 10% of it still in that pollination stage. It hasn't done the kernel setting yet. So they're going to get some rain, which might be as bit of a benefit. But really, is that going to be enough to save this crop? No, I don't think it'd be enough to save it. But the really interesting part about it will be is that will it get to the market to a point where they think about, you know, what the worst is in? And that's the thing that we always realize is that when, think about when we have a drought here in the U.S., when does the market kind of top? It it doesn't top when we physically know what the lowest production number is. It actually tops when we probably have the weather and everything happening that causes us to get to the spot where it's going to be the smallest crop. And that's kind of what we're running into down there. Now, I don't think for a moment that we've seen the smallest estimates. You know, you take USDA's number out of the May WASDE report at like 102 million metric tons. Agri Consultant this morning, um, they reported, you know, their number around 91 million metric tons. So you've got room to come down 12 million metric tons. Well, that's almost 500 million bushels. And so ultimately those bushels, if Brazil doesn't produce them, they have to be supplied to the market by somebody. So, so it's still a very important topic yet to watch. I think today I heard a sigh of relief as I read NOAA's latest information coming out on their three-month. And I know this is a three-month outlook and things can change, but it's looking better for us here in the Midwest. Eastern Corn Belt might have some struggles. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. And we have to keep an eye on those. And you're, you're right, though. The challenge we run into is that it's, it's always hard to physically look out that terribly far. But the thing that we have to keep in mind is that we're moving along. All of a sudden, your two-week forecasts now are getting you to the end of into May, into the first few days of June. And pretty soon, by the time we get to, you know, another two weeks down the road, we're already getting ourselves out into June. And, and you know, that crop starts progressing very, very quickly. And the market gets to a point that's not as concerned about the weather. And there's a reason why I ask that, because we look at the pressure maybe that our corn producers are under right now, knowing what's happening in Brazil so if Brazil can't make those numbers, is it going to be the U.S. that's going to have to try to step in? Well, surprisingly, yes. The U.S. is definitely going to be one of the factors that step in. The other country that's going to step in, we haven't been talking a lot about, is Ukraine. And Ukraine's going to step in. The thing we have to realize is that with Ukraine, Ukraine really, and, and the problems that they have with production, is part of the reason that our first jump in exports happened as we were talking about this last you know fall on the U.S. numbers. To give you an idea, when we take a look at the Ukraine um, believe it or not, for the 2020 crop year, you know, they're going to export about 23 million metric tons, but that's down 28 million metric tons from 2019. So now as we start talking about that 21 crop, which is where some of the bushels would have to come from Brazil if they physically had a problem, and we know they do, 
you know, they're talking about getting Ukraine back up to about 30.5 million metric tons. So that's factored in. So now if we go forward from there, because if we see the Brazilian number come down, it'll be a combination of bushels coming out of Ukraine, bushels coming out of the U.S. Both of them will have to take part in that. And maybe to a little bit lesser degree, you can't, uh, you can't forget about Argentina. Argentina still has a crop that they'll be putting out there on the market also. So having said that, why haven't we heard a lot about Ukraine? And why haven't we talked a lot about Argentina's crop? Everybody keeps focusing on Brazil. You know, that's, that's a great question. I don't know that I necessarily have a great answer for you. There's a little bit of talk out of there, but no one's been too concerned about Ukraine yet because the weather's been good enough. But there is a few issues. There's some people out there that are on the um, you know meteorologist side are concerned a little bit about the whole back, uh, Black Sea area. And uh, so we're going to have to spend more time talking about that. I'm not quite sure from Argentina's side. You know, that was all the talk back when we were talking about the dry conditions coming from La Nina. But since our crop's okay, I think a lot of the thought is is that, uh, you know, they're going to export what they're going to export, and they're not going to fill in in a big way for Brazil. But, but we'll have to watch that along. Well, speaking of exports, how are we doing here? How are the sale numbers? Well, you know, as we take a look and dig in, I'll start off first on the, the export inspection side. You know, we, we've had good inspections year to date. We're up 78.5%. USDA has us at about 56.1% on the corn. So our, our export inspection pace is going along really well. And on the soybean side, 61.3% year to date um, is where we're at compared to USDA looking at 35.6%. So we're, we're really making very good progress on the export side. There had been some talk, you know, obviously soybeans were getting some tighter supplies and that was going to cause some concern. Corn supplies, though, we seem to still have an abundance. Yes, no? What are your thoughts? I I think we have enough, yeah. Okay. You know, as we're getting down to everything that we're watching on the soybean side, you know, we're we're right there. We're kind of on a pipeline supply. But on corn, there's enough. We still have enough extra. It's just a matter of what basis level it really takes to shake it loose. So what is that basis level? I'm oh, asking because we got short time before commercial break, but what is the basis level yeah, going to be? Basis are continuing to work its way higher here. I don't think we've seen our highest numbers yet on the basis, especially because of the ethanol production that we're seeing out there, Susan. Well, we're going to talk more about the ethanol and how that's holding up, but we're going to talk China. We knew they were back in the market once again. See, there's the timer telling us it's time to wrap up. We're back again with uh, China in the markets. Will they come back for another day on a Friday? So much to look at. We've got a lot more coming up as we continue on this Thursday edition of the Fontenelle Final Bell. Just again, Jeff Peterson joining us here in studio. Come back. We're going to talk about China. We're going to talk about corn demand with ethanol and a little bit more about this basis as we move forward. Lots to look at the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing to have this conversation with Jeff Peterson. He is with Heartland Farm Partners. And so we left, we were talking uh, basis, which I'm going to dive a little bit more into coming up. But China and their appetite, it's just been continuous seeing them coming in. You know, it really has. And and that's been great to see. And a few things as we dig into China, because we've been asking ourselves this question, is that, you know, what are they doing with all this, this corn? And, you know, there's been lots of different theories. Some of them, you know, look at and say, well, because Kafka is is a main buyer, well, maybe it's making its way into, you know, the the reserve. But actually what we're hearing others talk about, though, is that they're saying, no, it's actually coming in and it's being used. So what we did is we went back and took a look from the feed demand side and said, okay, let's look at what the year-over-year numbers, how they're changing on the domestic feed demand for China. Because we hear that that, that has to be one of the areas where we could see the big increase. 
And uh, we went in and we looked at China, we looked at barley, we looked at corn, millet, oats, sorghum, and wheat. We brought all those together. And really what stood out to us is for the 2020 crop year, when you bring all those together, um, their feed consumption is going to be about 260.8 million metric tons. And what's really interesting about that, Susan, compared to the 2019 crop year, 2019 crop year was about 219.8. So they're about 40 million metric tons on their feed demand. And so all of a sudden we start thinking about that. Okay, so where's this corn going? Well, it's, it's got a hole, right, to fill, to go in to feed that demand. What is, what is China using to bridge that gap? Well, they're using feed wheat. Their feed wheat number on 2019 crop was 19 million metric tons. 2020 crop year, 40 million metric tons. So we've seen a big increase there. The surprising part is even into 2021, they're still forecasting they're going to use about 35 million metric tons of wheat in their feed. Wow. So they've just got a tremendous amount of feed. And, and what you're seeing them do, just like what we saw them doing on beans. So if you think back years ago, they used to be a big buyer ahead, right? They're buying a lot of of beans coming in for exports. They're buying that in the crop year ahead. And we're seeing that on the the corn side too. And as we dig into the numbers and look at how the exports and how this stuff is flowing already for the books for the 2021 crop year, and keep in mind, this doesn't start until we get to September. U.S. already has 579 million bushels on the books. And surprisingly, about 10.7 million metric tons of that is going to China. And there's another 4 million metric tons going to others. And so that's, that's just a huge amount. And, and they're doing it also on the bean side. You know, on the bean side, we've got about 7 million metric tons on the books. That's 258 million bushels for the 2021 crop year already. And, and 44% of that is China. So China's stepping in, a, in it a big way. Even though China cut their ration of soybean meal for hogs in half? Yeah, that's what's really interesting is as you dig into it, they're, they're definitely, and, and that's what they say, and this is always the hard part, right? <laughs> you know, what are they saying? What are they actually doing? Because what they're talking about doing is that if, if that's the case, then we're sitting there going, what in the world would their, you know, the demand be? And, and as you dig in on the feed side, you say, well, what's going on there? Well, the only thing that we can really come back to is that, you know, they're not back to the amount of numbers that they were before. They're getting closer, but they're not there before African swine fever. So then you have to look in and say there's people out there talking about 30 to 40 million metric tons of basically non-corn and non-soybean meal were getting fed to the hogs before. And now they're coming in and saying, well, no, that's not going to be the case. We're going to have to feed them something else. And and that's a lot of why we're seeing the demand that we are out of China. Looking here at the States, let's switch over to ethanol. How is that holding up? And is demand there for the corn to continue to keep it profitable? You know, we had a really good week. And, and actually, so in the report that came out uh, yesterday, we went over a million you know, barrels per day, 1.032 million barrels per day average last week. And uh, if you look at that, that's up 55.7% compared to a year ago. And when we look at the year-to-date numbers, we like to watch that to see how we're pacing. And keep in mind, we're going back to the start of the crop year, which would be September 1st. So from September 1st through now, we're down about 1.1% compared to a year ago. USDA is forecasting that we'll be up about 2.5%. But if we were to continue on the pace that we're on right now, we'd probably say we'd be up 5 maybe 6% compared to a year ago once we get out to the end of the year. So I think it's as everything goes along on ethanol, we're going to get to a point where we probably need to increase the 
demand on corn and as a result bring down that ending stock number and we continue to draw down those weekly ethanol stocks weekly ethanol stocks uh, are down about 17.8 percent compared to a year ago quickly as we look at uh, basis for soybeans why such a drop well i think it was a classic example you know been a big drop out there and i think what we ended up having is we had some individual traders within the u.s got to a point where they had trains bought and they said you know what we're going to sell those trains back to the locations that sold them to us um, those trains were bought for shipment to export. We're going to go down to Brazil. We're going to buy beans down there and go ahead and take care of those export obligations. And I think that started the whole snowball rolling on that basis. Is that going to continue? Um, no, I don't think so. I think we've got actually a wide enough spread now between ultimately where the U.S. basis is and also um, with Brazil. I think we'll narrow that up, so I don't think we'll see additional amounts of that. I think we'll see the bean basis improve for here. Best way to get a hold of you, Jeff? Give me a call at 402-366-4694. Check us out on the web at heartlandfarmpartners.com or follow me on Twitter at jeffpeterson01. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.